Several years ago, a very binge-worthy show came out on Netflix. And none of this, like you had to wait a week to watch it. All the episodes were released in one night, Stranger Things. Did any of you watch this episode, this series? This show is set in a small town in Indiana in the early 80s. And there are so many things that made you want to just continue to watch it. One of them being that at the end of every single episode was a cliffhanger. And so you, you just pressed play and just kept watching it long into the night. But it also made me extremely nostalgic for the 80s because there was just great, great bangs, you know, and there was neon and then there was Eggo waffles for breakfast. So I'm not going to spoil the plot, but I, I, it kind of reminds me of like a Stephen King novel meets a Steven Spielberg movie and then it's like crossed with Goonies and E.T. all together. Don't you want to go watch it? But this is the plot line. I'm not giving anything away. It's basically asking the question of what it would be like if there was a shadow side to this world. A world that is like ours, has beings, has emotions, but yet it is completely lifeless. It's just this imitation of what real life would be. And in Stranger Things, it's referred to as the upside down. So much of the Bible, and especially the Gospel of Luke, is Jesus shedding light on something that really seems right side up. And then once the light is shed on it, we realize, oh my gosh, that is just a pale imitation of what abundant life could be. That actually is quite upside down. One of the parts of our world that has always seemed to be upside down is how we view money and possessions. Consider just the number of times that we have thought that some thing or event or trip or vacation, that that would bring us contentment. And if we just get to that, then life will be better. Jesus never calls money or wealth or possessions bad. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of it. It's just that we tend to, as humans, we tend to worship it and make it our God. One of the most radical things that Jesus teaches is this, money is a God that humanity chooses to serve, period. Last week, Stacy preached a very powerful sermon. I want to encourage you to watch it if you have not. It was on a text before our text today where Jesus says, anyone who wants to follow me must take up his cross and follow. Jesus is not looking for more fans, Stacy said, but looking for followers. What Jesus was saying was so inspiring to many people after he began the words that Stacy preached on last week. And we're told that crowds begin to amass for this other set of sermons that he is going to give. And this set of sermons, he's going to speak in parables. But Luke is also sure to tell us that there are other people gathering as well. The Pharisees and the scribes, watching to see what he does. And they grumble saying, this fellow, look at him. 
He's welcoming sinners and eating with them. It is into this context that Jesus preaches all of these parables and the one we are to read today. Hear now from Luke chapter 16, the parable of the dishonest manager. Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do? Now that my master is taking the position away from me, I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered a hundred jars, jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Summoning another, how much do you owe? And he replied, a hundred containers of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of his, this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you hear what I heard? The master commended the dishonest manager? Make friends for yourselves by dishonest wealth? Is Jesus saying a little dishonesty is okay? Say it isn't so, Jesus. Remember, when you read something in Scripture that doesn't seem helpful to you, help yourself to a deeper look, especially if it is a parable. A parable was a form and is a form of teaching that takes a concept and then gives it a comparison so that the listeners might be able to make some connections with it. But parables were not meant to be deconstructed into a detailed list of to-dos and to-don'ts. They are read as a whole. And parables were also not meant to be permissive of anyone making bad choices, even when the one who has been making the bad choices ends up the hero, like in our story today. This parable doesn't give us permission to say, go ahead and, and cheat others as long as your boss doesn't find out. Or it doesn't say, also, make sure you take care of the people that you're cheating, because when you get busted, you're going to have somebody to live with after you get out of prison. 
There are many different main points to this parable, and theologians have been debating this and pontificating on it for centuries. And I just want us to focus on one core element of this parable that also rings true throughout the Gospel of Luke. All that we have, wealth, money, possessions, those are things that humans can choose to serve. And there is nothing inherently wrong with any of them. But as followers of Jesus, we are asked to serve God, not those things. And being a servant of God means that with those things that we have, we need to make sure that others are cared for as well, specifically those that are on the margins. So in the parable, the manager has been choosing to serve someone other than the master. He's been choosing to serve himself. The manager basically was taking crops like wheat or corn, letting them grow in the fields, and then just letting them sit there without anyone harvesting them. That's the squandering. So this isn't like you or I letting a few things expire in our fridge. This would be like an entire grocery store, spoiling all of their content with people hungry right outside its doors. When one considers the peasant economy of the first century that Jesus was speaking into, this act of this dishonest manager, it would have been repulsive. It would have been utterly despicable to the people that were listening. They were peasants, they were hungry. It would have been completely seen as self-serving with no concern for people that have less. Offering compassion and generosity for the well-being of others is a central teaching of Jesus and a central way that Jesus lived. If you look in the Gospels, Jesus spends so much time outside the big cities, in these little villages, in these towns, with people that didn't have access to resources, whether it was economic or material or social or physical. Living as a disciple of Jesus means we too are called to be concerned for the well-being of those without resources. The manager knows early on in our parable that he is out of a job, and so he has a choice. What do I do? He decides that he is going to make a choice that will ensure his well-being, but will also ensure the well-being and future of the people in his community. I wonder if those two things can't be separated from one another. So he calls in the people who owe his boss debts and he basically cuts them in half. What we know about first century economics is this, that manager would have been making his money, his like money that maybe helped him live a little bit better than the peasant by upcharging all of the debtors. And so when he brings them in and he cuts it in half or almost in half, what he basically did was cut out his fee. He still ensured that the boss got the money, so no wonder that the, the rich man commends him because he still got his payday. But we can't be critical of the rich man because that's not what this parable is about. The parable is about the manager. 
the one who was given the responsibility to care for someone else's stuff. Friends, this is about me and you and all that we have been given to steward. What the manager chose to do in this moment was think about the larger community. The shrewd manager was tamed. Just being honest, I always thought shrewd, no, no lie, until a month ago, I always thought shrewd was a negative word. I associated it with a negative connotation. And I, I had just been reading Ann Tyler's book, Vinegar Girl, which is the remake of Taming of the Shrew, the Shakespeare play. It's so good. I highly recommend it. And, and so I looked up shrew. Shrew, it means a, a intimidating and aggressive woman. Maybe that's why I didn't like it. And then shrew, but shrew is like the animal that kind of looks, you know, shrewish, if you will. That is not at all what shrewd means. The word shrew in the Greek means wise. It comes from the Greek word for mind. Or in, in first century, it would have meant using your brain. To be shrewd means to be thoughtful, to think through things, to be wise, not impulsive. He says our relationship is going to change. And so the manager, what he does is he brings these people in, and by cutting their debts in half, he says, our relationship is no longer transactional. We are in a reciprocal relationship. We are mutual. Yes, the manager is dishonest, but he is called on it, and he chooses to stop serving himself and chooses to serve God. This parable is that light being shed. shed. This parable is showing us what happens when the kingdom of God is revealed. Every single act of forgiveness, every act of compassion, of justice, those are acts that are turning the world right side up. All of us, when we see them, when we do them, that is turning the world right side up. And this is our calling as people of God. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.